Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5 if you would. I want you all to pray for Brother Michael. We're, we're working with him, trying to get him to sing out when he sings. He's, he's a little tentative. But I think if we keep working with him, we're going to get there one of these days. That was a blessing, brother. Thank you. Thank you, and I appreciate the testimony as well. Luke chapter 5. I hope you've had a good day. And uh, they're all good. Some are a little tougher than others, but they're all good days. And uh, you say, well, how do you know that? Well, it's the day the Lord made, and uh, he never made any mistakes. So we'll thank God for what he's done for us. And I just want to be a help and a blessing tonight. And thank you so much for being so gracious. You heard about the guy probably that uh, <clears throat> he, he died and, and went to heaven. He got to the gate there at heaven. And, of course, we know this isn't how it is. But Peter was there in the story. And Peter said... Uh, well, you got to help me now. I, I need to know why you think I should let you into heaven. And uh, God said, well, I don't rightly know. He said, I really want to go. I really want to come in. And Peter said, well, that's not good enough. He said, were you religious? He said, oh, no, 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 I was not religious at all. He said, well, that's not good. He said, uh, did you ever go to church? He said, I, I didn't believe in church. I never went to church my whole life, never one time. Peter said, well, that's not good. He said, uh, did you ever do anything for anybody else? He said, no, I pretty much lived for myself. And he said, I was, I was pretty selfish. He said, were you ever good to your neighbors? He said, oh, I hated my neighbor. He was a jerk. He said, I, I built a fence, privacy fence, so I wouldn't have to look at his ugly face. I didn't want nothing to do with my neighbor. And Peter said, man, you've got to work with me. If you want to get in, he said, you've got to give me something to go on. He said, has there ever been one time in your whole life when you ever did anything for anybody besides yourself? He said, well, yeah, there was this one time. Peter said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, he said, I come out of this store. And he said, there was a gang there, and they, they had this little old lady surrounded. And they were just mocking her in front of her, and they would, they would push her. And they were in a circle, and they'd push her to one side of the circle, push her back to the other side of the circle, and said one of them took her purse. He said, it made me so mad. He said, I threw my groceries down. He said, I broke through that circle. He said, I went in there. I grabbed that lady's purse from that gang member, and I gave it back to her. And he said, I looked around that circle. He said, I found the biggest, baddest dude in the whole gang. I walked up to him, started poking my finger in his chest like this. And I said, let me tell you, you are such a sorry excuse for a man. You're nothing but a coward. You, you ought to be shot. And Peter said, man. That's unbelievable. He said, when did that happen? He said, about five minutes ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? Brother Barry, I remember hearing Brother Howes talk about Bill Burr. He said, all these years I heard Bill Burr sing about wanting to go to heaven. He couldn't wait to go to heaven. He just wanted to go to heaven. He said... Bill Burr had a heart attack this week. I was up at the hospital, and he said, uh, he's scared to death. He's wanting me to pray he don't die. He said, he don't want to die now. <laughs> and, uh, but one of these days, one of these days, I'd just soon us all go together, wouldn't you? One of these days, God will give us grace, and he'll take us home, whether it be by rapture or by death. And let me tell you, all the things you're worried about right now, 
won't matter. It won't matter. Luke chapter 5. The story's legend. Jesus has been teaching and great crowds are pressing upon him. And we know about the two ships on the shore and the fishermen that are washing their nets. We talked about that last night. Talked about the ones mending their nets. He, he went into one of the two ships and he asked the fishermen if he would thrust out from the land a little bit. And he sat down and he taught the people for a while. Look at verse 4, if you would, in Luke chapter 5. Bible said, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Jesus' command was pretty simple. He said, launch out into the deep. I want to ask you this question this evening. I want you to think about this. How deep do you really want to go? How deep do you really want to go? I remember I, I preached this back several months ago at our place and the Sunday before we had baptized Alex Nance. Alex is, is a little little kid. He's in about the second grade, but he's not a very big kid. And uh, he's, he's a little black kid, got a shaved head, and his eyes, his white eyes just 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 stick out of his head just because of the contrast. And, and Alex had gotten saved and he wanted to get baptized. And I remember Alex coming down into the pool and, and I remember him coming to the first step and then the second step and then the third step. And, and I said, Alex, you got, a, you got another couple more steps to go. And he said, how deep? By then it was about up to here, you know. And I said, you got two more steps to go. And he said, well, how deep do I have to go? I find tonight that a lot of God's people have that kind of attitude. How deep do I have to go? And Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. I'm going to tell you this tonight. You will never get all that God intends for you to get out of your relationship with him until you're willing to launch out into the deep. And I want us, to, I want us just to look at this scripture tonight. I want to be a help. And I'm going to preach to me tonight, if that's okay. If you want to listen, that'll be all right, okay? Let's pray, and we'll get into the message. Father, I pray you'd help us. My faith at times is so fragile. And to be really honest with you, far too often I find myself wanting to wade in shallow water. And yet, Lord, you gave Peter a command. You said, launch out into the, the deep water. And I pray tonight that you would help us to determine... We're not going to be satisfied in knee-deep water when it comes to our relationship with you. But Lord, that we would, we would obey your commands and we would go where you command us to go and do what you've commanded us to do. Help us, I pray, and Lord, help me tonight. Help us to be a blessing, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know, I'm, I'm 53 years old. I've lived a little over 10 decades. I... I don't know if I have ever lived, I don't know that I've ever sensed a more selfish generation of people than the people of just this generation. I don't know what it's like here, Brother Steins, Brother Barry, thank you all for coming. I don't know what it's like in Charlotte, but I can tell you this, in Durham, we're having a really tough time trying to get people to make any kind of commitment to their relationship to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who want to get in the water, but not many who want to go deep. 
I, I'm having a hard time at our place finding people. I was talking to one of our staff men yesterday, and we were trying to come up with ideas. Well, how can we get people to help us? And I hate to say this. I don't want to sound like I'm compromising, but, but I feel like sometimes we have to try to find people, and, and, and how can we get them to help in the work of God on their terms? Well, I, 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 couldn't give you, I couldn't give you every Saturday, Pastor. There's no way. I mean, I, I, I got softball on the first Saturday, and I, I, I got golf on the second Saturday. And I, I, I might could give you a Saturday a month. And, and, and the, the whole problem is we just don't want to go very deep anymore. I want to give you a few things tonight that I hope will be a help to you. Number one, I want you to notice the timing of the command. When did Peter, when did God command Peter to launch out into the deep? Let's look at Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Watch what it says, and, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, that's not tied to last night's sermon, okay? That's a whole different sermon. But uh, can I ask you a question? When does a fisherman wash his nets? When he's finished. When he's finished. What was the timing of the Lord's command in Peter's life? I'm going to tell you when it was. It was when Peter thought that he was finished. Peter thinks he's finished. And yet the Lord comes to him and he says, Peter, it's time for you to launch out into the deep. There may come a time in your life when you think you've done about all that there is to do, but the Lord comes to you and says, hey, it's time to launch out into the deep. Aren't you glad God sees a big picture? He sees it all. God, God sees it all. God sees beyond tomorrows and God came to Peter and he said Peter you may think that you're done you may think that you're washed up you may think that it's over for you Peter but I want to get on board your boat and I want us to go to deep water you know what I find I find there's a mentality with some of God's people well I put my time in I'm done I'm finished you know, you go knocking on doors and you're sure to find somebody in the Bible belt here who'll be quick to tell you about how many years they taught Sunday school, and they'll, I've had them take me into the house and show me the attendance medals of perfect attendance and certificates hanging on the wall. And I say, well, that's wonderful. Thank the Lord for that. Where do you go to church now? Oh, I don't go to church anymore. I, I say, I'm finished. See, I, I've already done that. I've I, I already been there, I've done that, i got the t-shirt. I mean, I, I, I've already been through all that. No, 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 Jesus says, he said, no, I want you to launch out into the deep. You say, wait a minute, Lord, I've been doing this for 30 years. Okay, let's make it 31. Understand how long I've been in that Sunday school class, Pastor. You don't understand how many years I've been teaching the Word of God. I'm here to tell you tonight that, 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 that God is looking for someone who when they come to a place where they think, you know what, I've done it, I've done it long enough, I've done all. Or maybe, maybe you feel like, maybe you just feel like God can't use you anymore. We talk a lot, we talk a lot about that. Say, well, Lord, is this, is this what you have? Is this what I remember years ago? I was talking to a pastor today, and somebody called, and they said, uh, you know, I, I've, been, I've been in Durham for 30 years and been pastor 25 years, and, and only once has this ever happened. But somebody called, and they said, look, there, there's this opportunity of ministry, and we would like to know whether or not you're interested. And uh, you got to understand, I, I, I was born in Durham, and 
We went to church there when I was three years old. I've been going to church there for 50 years. This was about 13 years ago, but I've been going to there now for 50 years. And, and, and they said, would you, would you be willing to come and talk with us about this ministry opportunity? And I was, I was my first thought was, man, you know, and I'm not interested. And then, and then I'm going to tell you what happened. You ever have this happen to you? You ever have a, a, a guy with a pitchfork and a red pointy tail sit right here? It's not a parrot, okay? It's the devil. And I was driving down the road, and I know he doesn't have a pitchfork, okay? But I'm driving down the road, and the devil pops, perches right here on my shoulder, and he said, well, how, how are things going at the church anyway? Well, they're going. No, that's not what I asked you. How are they going? I said, well, you know, and, and what had happened is we had, we had gotten to a, it, it seemed like a barrier in, in our attendance and it just seemed like we, we couldn't break through that and we'd been there before and, and then had a split and we got back to that same barrier and it seemed like maybe we hit the ceiling and, and, and couldn't go any further and, and I remember wrestling with God and I said, God, you know, I, 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 I believe this is where you want me but could it be? I don't know. Could it be that I'm finished? Have you ever asked yourself that? Jesus came to Peter when Peter thought that he was finished. Can I say this tonight? Can I talk to those of you who are senior citizens for just a little bit? Don't get mad at me. All right? I'm not, I'm not way far behind you. Every once in a while, hey, they done sent me an AARP car. One of the darkest days of my life. I looked on the envelope again to make sure it wasn't my wife, and it was me. Every once in a while, they, I, hey, every once in a while, I get a senior citizen's discount. I hurt for just a second, and then I realize that's 10%, man. I'll take it. That's good. <laughs> but can I say something to you tonight, those of you who are a little older and have a little age on you, and you're gray-headed, and you say, man, I, I've been worked. I've worked all my life, and, and I'm finally getting there, and I'm finally about ready to retire, and I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to spend some time on myself. I've been, I've been working all these years, and I'm going to do, hey, hey, let me tell you something. He may just come to you and say, it's time to go to the deep water. There's a man in our church, John Pickens. John Pickens is, uh, is Kevin Dale's father-in-law. His He's got two girls. One of his girls is married to our associate pastor. His other girl is married to our deacon chair. John Pickens worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield for many, many years. He retired. And when he retired, he retired at the same time several years ago that we bought a piece of property and we began working on this gymnasium and started this renovation of this gymnasium. And for the last five years, for about a year and a half, John Pickens came to the church, to the church, our other property every single day. And he has kind of just adopted that building. He takes care of that building. He keeps it clean. He, 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 if something breaks, he fixes it. And, and he goes to all of our ball. He's got grandkids in all of our sports programs in our school. And he's real involved. And if he came in here tonight, he'd tell you, he'd say, I'm working harder now than I ever did for Blue Cross. But, but can I tell you tonight, it, it, it doesn't matter whether or not you think you're finished. That Peter thought, you know what, I'm washing my nets, I'm done, it's time to move on. And Jesus said, move on, you're right, son, we're going to deep water. Not only did Peter get the command whenever it was, he thought he was finished, but Peter got the command when he thought he had failed. 
He thought he had failed. You see, it's obvious they were finishing up because they were washing their nets, but how did they do? Well, look at verse 5. Master, we toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Can I help you for a second? When a fisherman tells you he's caught nothing, he ain't caught nothing. He's a whole lot more prone to lie on the, uh, in the other direction. No fisherman is going to say, I didn't catch anything if he caught anything. If he caught one little old minnow, he said, we'll call, we caught a few. <laughs> Peter made no excuse. He, 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 didn't, he said, Lord, he didn't say they're not biting. He didn't say the weather's bad. He said, Lord, we have fished all night and we caught nothing. You know what? He was a failure in his own mind. And when Peter thought he had failed, Jesus came to him and said, Peter, it's time to launch out into the deep. I know we talked about this last night a little bit, but let me tell you something about failure. Failure is not final. I don't care what you did. I don't care, I don't care how, how flat you have fallen on your face, nor how many times. My Bible says that the just man falleth seven times but he rises up again. And you say, well, I tried this. I tried living for God. I, I tried soul winning. I, I tried reading my Bible, and I did for a while, Brother Finley, and it, it, it was all right, but, man, I got out of the habit. And I, you know what? I, I'm just a failure. Peter was a failure, and Jesus came to a man who in his own mind thought he was a failure, and Jesus said, I want to go to the deep water. He thought he's finished. He thought he had failed. I tell you something else about Peter. Peter, Peter, the way he responded wasn't real good. We see the timing of the command, and then we see the tentativeness of the response. How did, how did Peter respond? Well, let's look at the verse. The Bible says in verse number four, now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now I, I, I know you probably have read the story, but let me tell you what Peter did not say. Peter did not say, hot dog, let's go. That's not what he said. <laughs> Peter didn't say, I thought you'd never ask. Peter didn't say, I've been sitting here praying you'd give me something to do, God. Peter was so tentative. As a matter of fact, we find that Peter began to, he began to make excuse. Look at verse number 5. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. Here, here's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, I can't think of one good reason why I should launch out into the deep, but I will launch out into the deep because you have commanded me to. Listen to me tonight. You've got to get past, well, I just don't feel it in my heart. Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. This has nothing to do with the sermon, but let me throw this in, and I won't even charge you for this, okay? You got bitterness in your heart towards someone and you say, well, I just can't find it in my heart to forgive. You never will. You never will. I, get, I hear that till I'm sick of it. Well, I just can't find it in my heart to forgive. You mean you're deceitful above all things and desperately wicked heart? Why are you looking in there? There's nothing as good as forgiveness going to be found in your old filthy heart, nor mine. 
Peter didn't do it because he felt like it. Peter didn't do it because it was convenient. Peter didn't do it because it was easy. Peter didn't do it because it, he just he felt the leading of the Lord. He did it because God said so. And sometimes God's going to come to you and I and God's going to say, all right, you've, you've waded around in knee-deep water long enough. It's time to launch out into the deep. We love our security and our safety and our surroundings. We love the shore. It goes against our grain to launch out into the deep. Listen to me tonight. Faith isn't an uninhabited boldness that abandons reason. Faith and foolishness start with the same letter. Don't be foolish. I had a guy one time, he, we, had our, we had a missions conference, Brother Steins, and and there was a young single guy, and he had a good job and made decent money. And, and, and about, about eight months after our missions conference and our faith promise, this guy comes to me and asks me for an appointment. I said, yeah, come on. He came in. He said, thanks. I said, well, you're welcome. For what? He said, because of you, I'm going to lose everything I have. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you and your faith promise missions. He said, I am three months behind on my rent, and they're getting ready to repo my truck. And I said, what are you talking about, man? You don't even make any sense. He said, you said we're supposed to step out by faith. And he said, that night when you asked us to make those commitments, he said, I felt like the Lord was leading me. And he said, I committed to give half of my income to missions. Y'all, excuse me just a second. Let me get out of the pulpit, okay? I said, brother, you're a fool. Be careful, be careful that you don't label your foolishness as faith. You know, I, I got people in my church, and they talk about how they live by faith. They don't live by faith, Brother Barry. They go around begging everybody. Really, I'm serious. I've had I've preachers come to my pulpit and they'll talk about how they live by faith and then they'll fleece my flock while they're there. Oh, uh, you, just, you just don't know how bad it is. It's just so rough out on the road and we hadn't had a paycheck in three months. Man, my people love God and they love people. Man, I, I'm thinking, I know who's writing the checks already. <laughs> and they're, man, they're big old tears. Uh, it's just telling you, we've got these doctor bills we haven't been able to pay for. Y'all, y'all just bear with me for a second. I will be all right. That's not faith. That's foolishness. But here's Peter, and Jesus comes, and he says, Peter, he said, I I know you think you finished, and and I know that you think you failed. He said, but Peter, it's time for you to trust me, not because it looks like it'll work, not because it's convenient, not because it's easy, not because it's safe, but because I told you to, Peter, I need you to step out by faith. You say, well, Brother Rick, I don't think I have that much faith. You ain't got to have a whole lot. You remember the guy who had the boy who was was a derelict? And he came to Jesus and he said, I, I walk past the fire and he throws himself in the fire and I walk past the water and he throws, he said, Lord, I, I want him to be healed. And, and Jesus said, I, I can heal him. If you believe, I can heal him. And he said, Lord, I believe. But God, you got to help my unbelief. Can I tell you this? Most of us have a lot more unbelief than we do belief. 
And that's the way it is. And that's okay. You just have to have enough faith to obey. That's all you got to have. You just got to have enough faith to obey. And that's what Peter had. Peter, you, hey, we can get Peter down the road if we want to, and we can criticize him, and we can say, bless God, you ought to get your heart right. You know, people want to make fun of Peter because he got out on the water walking to Jesus, right? And I bet all the disciples back there in the boat laughing at him when he's sinking, but hey, he walked on water. You jokers ain't been out of the boat, ain't done nothing. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if I'd have been Peter, I wouldn't have said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to thee on the water. I said, Lord, if it's you, come on over here and get me, would you? That's what I would have said. <laughs> that's, how, that's how strong my faith is. But it was a tentative response. Tonight, I don't know what it is God's doing in your life. And God may be saying in some area of your life, I want you to go out in the deep water. But can I tell you something? Just have enough faith to obey Him. Then number three, real quickly, let's move on. We see the testing of his obedience. Once he decided he was going to obey, then the next question he had to answer was, how deep? Launch out into the deep. I, 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 don't, know how, I don't know how Peter did it, but I would have rode for a little bit. I said, is this okay? Right? The Lord said, no, I, I, that's not deep enough. Okay. How about this? And the Lord said, no, I said the deep water, son. That's how, I don't know what Peter did. But I tell you this, I can tell you that the Lord wanted him to go deep enough that he had to release his hold on the shore. Can I ask you tonight, are you willing to go deep enough that you can't hold on to the shore anymore? Are you willing to go deep enough for God that you're willing to let go of your security? I used to, we used to take our teenagers skating. I have never been able to skate. I don't know what it is. I just, I, I play sports. I play basketball and baseball and football. I can't skate. But, you know, you're, I'm 25 at the time, and they're all laughing, you know, you teenagers are cruel people. And, uh, yeah, Brother Rick. You know what I do? I, so I put my skates on. Like a wild man, I put my skates on. You know what I did when I used to go skating? I was a rail rider. <laughs> right? Yeah. I skate all day like that. Man, if I ever got off the rail, my legs would get to go in every which way, and I'd fall and embarrass myself. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with us today in Christianity. We've got too, way too many rail riders. Way too many people who want all the benefits of deep water fishing, but they're holding on to the shore. Way too many people who want God's blessing and favor because they had faith to launch out, but they won't go out. They won't go out. Man, I, we used to take our men deep sea fishing. I quit going. Every time we went, it was a storm. I ain't kidding you. I, I'm talking about sick. I'm talking about I'm to, oh horrible, horrible, horrible. If you ever been on one of those charters like that? There's 70 guys on that boat. And the last time we went, some fool brought his wife. And, uh, and we got in rough water. It was rough water, man. And, and, and guys, I, you know, I'm trying. You know how you do. How many of you ever been on one of them boats? And, and you're trying to psych yourself up. You know, I remember I went and got my little nicotine patch. 
put it on before I went to bed that night. I'm all ready. We were out the first time we ever went, Brother Barry, we were out on the boat. And one, of, one of these guys, matter of fact, it was the guy I was talking about that retired from Blue Cross. I think that's who it was. And we'd been out for a little while, and he said, I don't need this thing. <laughs> threw it overboard. It wasn't long before he threw some other stuff overboard. <laughs> he threw his breakfast overboard. He threw his lunch overboard. I, I, I remember, I, I thank God, I, I went three times, I think, and I never really got sick. I thank God for it, man. I, I, it was, I was miserable. But they always told me this, if you, once you're able to see the land, you'll feel better. Do you, I don't know if that works or not, but, but do you know, some of us have never got out of land sight to begin with. We got a fallback plan. Right? We, we, got, we, got a, we got a plan B. If it does, this living for God doesn't work out, then we got a plan B. No, he said, I want you in deep water. I want you to go far enough. I want you to go far enough that you have to let go of your hold on the shore. We're all about self-dependence. How can I fix this? And how can I work through this? And how can I solve this? And how can I remedy this? And Jesus is constantly saying, come out here where there's nothing you can do, but trust me. I don't want you to be the answer. I want to be the answer. But you got to get in deep water. And then I find this. I find that he wants us to go deep enough that God can get us to where he can really use us. Verse 6 says, And when, this, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Do you know God knew exactly where the fish were? He just had to get Peter to the spot. He knew where the fish were. You remember that story where he told them, he said, Hey, boys, you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. The Bible said they pulled their nets in and threw them on the other side. I don't know how wide the boat was, 10 feet, 15 feet, 20 feet, 25 feet away. They got more fish than they could take. Jesus knows where the fish are. He's just got to get us there. He just got to get us there. And he will if we'll obey him. God's not into cane pole fishing. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Do you really think that, do you really think that they were going to get a miracle in shallow water? No. Well, how deep, Lord? How deep do I have to go? By the way, deep water is kind of scary. I remember when I was a kid, and I, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I was a kid, and, and we, we weren't really serving the Lord. We, 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 my parents joined a, a swimming pool thing, club. And my parents never went, but my brother and I would ride our bikes there. I guess they did it to try to keep us out of trouble. And I couldn't swim. And Mama always said, stay away from the deep end. Ricky, stay away from the deep end. If she was really mad, it was Ricky Dean. <laughs> you stay away from the deep end. Well, I had no desire to go to the deep end. I couldn't swim. One day, one of my buddies, and he was really good, 
they were taking pennies and they were throwing them in the pool and they would go down to the bottom of the 12 foot of the pool and this guy would dive in and go get the pennies. And before I knew what had happened, I found myself with my toes on the edge of the pool in 12 foot water saying, there's one right there, Steve. (laughs) And some cool dude came up, put his hand right there on my backside and just gave me a nudge. It was so funny, but I was going to drown. I couldn't. And I remember, I remember, isn't it funny how you ever been in one of those things? It's everything, it's like slow motion. Like in a car wreck or something, it's like slow motion. And I remember, I remember going under, Brother Steins, and I remember feeling like it was so deep. And I remember coming up. And I can remember when I come up, I, I was looking, and man, I was scared to death. I couldn't swim, and I was, I was screaming. I was crying for somebody to help me. Everybody thought it was a joke. I went back under the second time, and I just felt like I was so helpless. And I remember coming up the second time, and I know this sounds really crazy, but I remember my grandma saying, if you go under the third time, you never come up again. How many of you ever heard that? I, I remember, man, I mean, I'm drowning, dude. I am drowning, and all I can think about is Momma. Momma said if they go under the third time, they don't ever come back up again. I said, bless God, I ain't going under the third time. I was just about to go under the third time, and Steve Latta laid down. He had had some training. He was my classmate in school. He had laid down on his, on his belly on the deck, and he reached out, and, and I remember how thankful I was to see his hand. And he grabbed my hand and I grabbed his. And that's where God wants to get you. God wants to get you where he's your only hope. And he knows where the fish are. If he can get you away from the shore, I'm telling you, God can do some great things in your life. I'll tell you something else, God. How deep... Pastor, okay, okay, okay. I want to go in the deep water. How deep? Here it is. Here's another one. Deep enough that you might be pushed to the edge of failing again. Look at verse number 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. We We referenced this last night. And what's the Bible say? The next four words, read it together with me. And their net break. Now failed again. I imagine, I imagine he drops that net. I told you last night, I imagine, man, I think that thing, I think God had it all orchestrated. And before the net was in the water good, it filled up with fish. And I believe with all my heart, man, that net just poof, and, and the boat kind of rocked and kind of tilted one way. And, and, and Peter's thinking, we're going under. I, I failed again. Can I tell you, I don't know, maybe I'm the only person here that's like this, but can I tell you where I feel like I live my Christian life? on the edge of failure. My dad used to race stock cars. And and it was all about the gear ratio. And we would go to a track. I was just a kid, but I remember he'd say, he'd say, Rick, go get the gearbox. And I'd go, we had a box, a toolbox about about this long, about this wide, and it was full of gears. He'd back the car up on the trailer, get the rear end off the ground. He'd say, go get the gearbox. 
And I'd go get that toolbox full of gears and I'd bring them out there and he'd start taking the bolts out of that rear end housing and, and, and pull those gears, those gears that were in there out and put, pick out. He'd say, give me that one right there and he'd put those in. You know what he's trying to do? He was trying to get that car to reach its maximum performance to turn as many RPMs as it could without blowing all the smithereens. And I feel like that's where I live sometimes. I feel like I'm right on the edge. I feel like I'm going. I'm just, it's just all that I can do. I look at the ministry that God has given me. I told a preacher friend one time, I said, I tell you what I feel like when it comes to ministry. I get up on, I get up on Sunday morning and I look over my shoulder and there's this big rock, this big boulder coming down the hill. And I start running. And I said, Tuesday I look back and it's closer. And I keep running. And Wednesday I look back and it's closer. By the time I get to Saturday night, man, it's right on my heels. I mean, I feel like I'm running for my life. I feel like, if I, I feel like I'm about to die. I, and then Sunday, I look back and the rock's gone. I say, Phew, man, made another week. I go to bed on Sunday night feeling pretty good. I get up Monday morning. Ah! It's coming again. Can I tell you, that's like in deep water. Sometimes God puts you to where you think, man, I'm right on the edge of failing. I tell you what else, God, he wants to get you deep enough that you'll need the help of others. Look at verse 7. And they beckon unto their partners. By the way, the King James, every word's on purpose, right? Am I right? I'm in the right kind of church, aren't I? Every word's on purpose. I know I am. Look at it. They beckon unto their partners. Which, hey, by the way, it'll be a good day when we figure out that the other people who are in the boat with us are not our enemies. Uh, by the way, the people in the boat across from us are not our enemies. These guys were not in the boat they were in. They were their partners. That's another one I won't charge you for. Look at it. They beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and do what? Help them. Help them. You know what God will do? God will put you in deep water to where he gets you to a place where you are going to have to have other people to help you in order to make it. And can I say this tonight, Solid Rock? That's what church is all about. I love it. I love the church. I mean, man, you're right. Where do people go? What do you do? What do you do when your dad dies? What do you do when, when someone, a friend betrays you? What do you do when a spouse walks out on you? What do you do when mom and dad get a divorce? What do you do? Let me tell you what you do. You get help from your partners. And by the way, may we never get so busy that we don't have time to help those who are in need. They're unashamed. Look at what it says in that verse. It says, they beckoned. What's that mean? Hey! Hey! You gotta help us! We're in trouble! Don't be, a, don't be ashamed. Well, you know, I, I just don't want anybody at the church to know that I'm having a hard time because then they think, they think that you're just like them. That's what they would think because we all have problems. Get over your macho man, Power Ranger. 
Superman, Teletubby, macho religion. <laughs> and when you've got a load that you can't bear, find somebody to help you bear it. Can I just throw this in too? You ought not always be getting other people to bear your load, but once in a while you ought to bear someone else's. When Galatians talks about it, it says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then it says, and every man must bear his own burden. You preachers ever have the professional bums come by your place? All the time, man. Uh, Pastor, I, my grandpa died. And I, I went to Texas, and I'm trying to get back to Richmond, and I gave out of gas out here on the highway. I've heard every story. I've heard every story. And then what's really funny is then when they forget that they've already been to your place. And they come back a week later. Pastor, my grandmother died. Wait a minute, your grandpa died last week. Your grandma died too. You're really having a bad, bad run of luck, aren't you? And, and, and we get up. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about when you have a burden, don't be afraid to get people to help you. And if you live in deep water, there are going to be times when you've got to have help. Deep enough that you're going to have to have someone help you. What's a partner? It's someone who shares in or partakes in. I, you know what I like about, you know what I like about church? You know what I like? I get to come here every once in a while and preach. You know what I like? I see the same people in the choir, seeing the same people opening the door and holding the door and greeting people, see the same people, same men passing the offering plate. And, and I think, man, God's doing a good thing here. This is a good work. And, we, and we're together in this. You know what? You know what I like about Fellowship Baptist Church? That's the crowd I'm sailing with. Hey, I ain't sure where we're going, but we're having a time getting there. God will get you where you won't make it without other people. Deep enough, lastly, deep enough that you will see the Lord for who he really is. Deep enough that you will see the Lord for who he really is. We're talking about deep water. Look at what he says in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, Notice what it says. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When Simon Peter saw it, what did he see? I'm going to tell you what he saw. He saw what he could only see in deep water. When Simon Peter saw it. When Simon Peter saw it, let me tell you what. He didn't go on Facebook and tell about how many fish he caught that day. When Simon Peter saw it, he didn't go go to see if he made ESPN sports. In the last in this series. And uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter number 19, page 93. And, uh, And then when you find that place there, flip over to page 252, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Has anyone got a word on your heart right now? Uh, just God's got a, a testimony or that you'd like to share right quickly, amen? The Lord's worthy of bragging on.
Amen. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes. I praise the Lord. All right. Anyone else? Right quickly? Yes. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else want to brag on the Lord right quickly? Right quickly, yes. Amen. Amen, yeah, praise God. Amen. I, I'm, I'm telling you, folks, no matter how you slice and dice this thing, it will put our trust and confidence into God. He'll take care of it. I mean, not always in the way we want it to. Matter of fact, He rarely works the way I want Him to. Most of the time, I pray about something, and I figure out how to fix it. And then God comes and does this in a totally different way just to show me again He don't need my fixing. Amen. And uh, I'm thrilled with that. I appreciate what the Lord's doing in my own heart. And uh, I just rejoice in His goodness. We begin this series in Romans chapter 1. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Even His eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. Well tonight on the last one we want to look at lessons from the eagle. And Exodus chapter 19, if you found your place, let's stand one more time and we'll read a few verses here, all right? In Exodus 19 and verse 3, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. If you're accustomed to marking your Bible, you ought to mark that statement, bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Deuteronomy 32, page 252. As an eagle stirreth up her nest... And it fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings.